Right now, premiums are good. I mean, relatively good. They're up higher from where they were a few months ago, but they haven't gone nuts. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And it's Tuesday again, which means it is time for this week's Physical Silver Report, where Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin checks in to update us on what's going on on the retail level of the silver market. And we usually dig into some of the economic developments going on as well. So, Andy, pleasure to have you back here today. And how are you doing, my friend? It's good to see you, Chris. Um, I'm doing well, buddy. Thank you. Hope you are too. Good to be back. Well, I'm doing all right here. And uh, in the past week, well, we did have a Fed meeting, amongst other things, that took place, Labor Report on Friday. And I guess uh, just to start there, any any particular reaction from customers uh, getting closer to the end of the Fed rate hikes? I think some people were expecting a more overt pivot. Maybe that they mean the pause uh, where I didn't think Powell was going to come out and say, all right, we're done. We're getting ready to cut, which he didn't. Interesting reaction later in the day when the markets opened back up. Did see gold spike again, but curious what the uh, order flow has been like and what you've been seeing in the week since all that happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it with with what had happened with the other three banks opening up a few days ago, down 40, 50%, and they halted trading on a couple of them. I thought it would be much more chaotic. It it hasn't been. It's been steady. And again, kind of like what we talked about last week, you know, a lot of people have a very short memory. Uh, and the way that JP Morgan was able to quietly paper over this last bank failure, I think people have the anxiety has subsided a bit. There are still a lot of people that are very aware of what's happening, very aware of, of you know, the, the moves that are being made on, uh, on, on behalf of the Fed or the moves that Powell is making are things that are, I guess, on the periphery in most of my clients' minds' eyes. It's more along the lines of what's happening with, with the regional banks and what is happening with um, the risk, if you will, of leaving your money inside of a regional banking system that that can very quickly turn bad. And so, no, nothing to speak of in terms of the the movement by Powell. I was I was interested in looking at the the difference, you know, between the one month uh, Treasury, which has popped up to to five percent, and I think the two month was somewhere around three and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Last I looked, but you know, so people are are more comfortable lending money for one month to the federal government than they are for two months, which is really an indictment, I guess, of where people think things are going to go in the very near term um, with the U.S. government. You know, when you talk about inversion, look at the difference between the one month and the two year it becomes crazy. And so I think that there is a lot of anxiety surrounding the debt ceiling and, you know, will the Fed default. The credit default swaps that are on the other side of the treasury market are signaling that the sophisticated traders indeed believe there will be a default. Now, not a traditional default, but more of a technical default where they may be late on their payments. They have a printing press. They'll print their way out. But I think that 
when you look at the how high up the credit default swaps have spiked recently as it pertains to treasury market, yeah, I mean, big money thinks that there's going to be a default, a technical default, one that will uh, rattle the markets for sure. And, and you have Janet Yellen coming out and saying, if that happens, a whole bunch of banks are going to fail. So, you know, there's a lot going on under the surface where, you know, the Federal Reserve is lending FDIC $174 billion. Don't tell anyone. That's very hush-hush. But things that are happening under the surface, behind the scenes, um, I think people here are more aware of it than meets the eye. And they see the very, very big picture, realizing that pussyfooting of 25 basis points really isn't what is breaking the system. I mean, if I were king for the day, the first thing I'd do is jack the federal funds rate up to 10%. I would not allow the money markets to put their money into the reverse repo market. And I'd blow this whole thing up and start the healing process now. They're not doing that. They're dragging it out. They're hiding the truth. They're making it more difficult for the average person to get out of the way of what they don't see coming. People who've been listening to you for a long time are more keenly aware of what is coming and their concerns are not related to what the Fed did or, or didn't do, but more along the lines of how this all plays out when Mother Nature and the laws of economics finally take hold. Yeah, and as you mentioned, that debt ceiling that is coming up uh, and reminds me a bit of what we saw back in 2011 when ended up with S&P downgrading the U.S. as that one was a bit of a debacle. We saw the gold price spike in response back then. Uh, I'm not sure that's entirely why the gold price is spiking now. I mean, there's a lot of other issues going on yet. Um, Going to be interesting to see. Although, I guess at what what point do you think it it matters, this ever-growing debt load that you have the debt ceiling here to theoretically keep that in check kind of defeats the purpose when every time you come up against it, it just gets raised. Um, how long do you think that actually goes on for? I know there's there's no easy answer to that question. But... I think it, that in and of itself is a complete and total joke. First of all, let's just talk about what they did for those people who don't remember. The last time Janet Yellen had to enact uh, desperate measures to raise the debt ceiling, she borrowed from the Civil Servants Retirement Fund, the Disabled Veterans Retirement Fund, and the Postal Workers Retirement Fund. And the next article that I saw in Yahoo Finance after struggling to find what those desperate measures were, couldn't find them anywhere, but Yahoo Finance was that we had voted to give the Ukraine another $5 billion after we are stealing from people who have dedicated their lives to civil service. Um, it, it's, it's an abomination. I think that when you look at the debt that we have, this $31 trillion debt that everyone focuses on, that ignores the $77 trillion IOU that is Social Security that Reuters tells us will be bankrupt in seven or eight years. That ignores Medicare, Medicaid, and government military pensions, all of which exceed $100 plus trillion. You're talking $31 trillion debt's a bunch of horseshit. You got another four times that almost in off-balance sheet obligations that no one seems to want to discuss uh, in this open discussion. And I think this all fits into my biggest concern. And that is 
reasoning behind the world wanting to push away from the U.S. dollar, pull away. You know, it's one thing to weaponize the dollar uh, and, and that in and of itself really incentivize people to hurry up and, and, and move away from the dollar. But when you look and see what we're doing inside the country with brain dead monetary and fiscal policy, a country that is effectively insolvent, a country whose largest asset is student debt, uh, a country where how many people rely upon social security and it's insolvent with, with you know, uh, $77 trillion in IOUs, 77 trillion. Let's not forget a trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. It ain't gonna be there when you need it. And if it is, it'll be filled with a bunch of worthless watered down inflated paper dollars. And that's the part that's so frustrating to me, Chris. I mean, I could sit down with a couple of beers and sit and talk this stuff with you all day long and it would resonate. And we could have a, a, a back and forth, even if we didn't agree with each other, we could have a very vibrant discussion talking about things that are factually based. Yes, we could try to extrapolate where we think it's going based upon these facts, but that, that's lack, lacking in this country. You know, offline, you and I were talking about how divisive the country is, how everyone's angry at each other, how you're defined by, you know, who you voted for in the last election, where everyone's fighting and, and not agreeing with each other. And, but that, that, that is not good. I mean, that, that's really not good because that's what makes it so hard for you and I to have these discussions with people who, are outside this community of hard asset, sound money, uh, Austrian economic thinking, tinfoil hat wearing people like you and I, and everyone else out there, they just don't see what's coming. It's like getting in a batter's box with Randy Johnson with blindfold on. You know, do you want to stand in front of that fastball, not know what's coming? Or do you want to see it and be able to get out of the way? And the, the first thing people have to do is pull off the blinder. And you know, more and more people are, but certainly not enough of them because everyone focuses on the debt ceiling. Everyone focuses on how that pertains to the $31 trillion debt that we keep abusing and going higher and higher and higher. Okay, fine. Get rid of the, the, the debt ceiling. Stop causing, a t you know, bringing attention to the fact that we can't manage our, our budget. But let's talk about the bigger problem. How about all these other obligations that 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 really affect the people in this country the most medicare medicaid social security and pensions you know in that money that we gave to the ukraine we gave them 1.75 trillion dollars for pensions for the ukrainian government when there's a a 1.75 trillion dollar shortfall in pensions in this country the the things that are being done are ridiculous they're crazy and um I think that there's just a lot to be concerned about right now. Largely, also, the lack of real information that we're given. Here again, focusing on a small piece of the problem, not the whole problem itself. Yes, it would be great to balance the budget. Yes, it would be great to address Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare. Yes, it would be great, but we need to stop wastefully spending money and doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Largely like being involved in a war in the Ukraine that is bringing us down a road that could lead us to World War III, God forbid, or along the way destroy the value of the dollar more and more and more and more until the rest of the world says we're done. We're no longer taking dollars for our oil or for our party favors or for anything else. 
And yes, there are a lot of people who think we're a long ways away from there. I don't. I think we're getting much closer based upon the rapid cohesion of what amounts to north of 80% of human population moving away from the dollar, little by little by little by little, and it's happening. So, yeah, you know, I know that was more than you bargained for when you asked me my thought about what happened with the debt and, and how far it can go. I just think it's all part of a bigger piece. You can't just talk about one piece of the puzzle without looking at the whole piece. And that's why I'm a big fan of, of macroeconomics and less microeconomics. I look for the forest, not the, the, the rattling leaves on the trees. And I think we're at a point in time right now where microeconomics will, will lead you down a pathway. You'll just never see the big picture. You need to take a step back and see what the problem is and that is of a dollar that is in very big trouble. And what happens when the dollar is no longer really desired and or accepted globally, especially as it pertains to oil, what does that mean? Why uh, is it so important to understand that? And the ramifications, if it happens, what does it do to our portfolio? These, to me, are the only questions that matter and have for quite some time. But as is the case with everything that I've talked about my whole career, it just takes longer to happen but if you base it upon mathematics, it will happen. And mathematics, logic, and economics always have a way of prevailing. And I think in this case, it will, much to my chagrin. I don't think it will be something I'll take any joy in saying, see, I told you so. I just hope people get a little bit of, of insight here, enough to make them be inquisitive, to start digging into this and looking at it and realizing that, hey, if this happens, you better better not be all invested in dollars or you will be a victim. Yeah, well, I know what you mean. And certainly the quantitative easing era makes it, I think, more difficult for people to see because I don't know. I wonder if the last decade or so when people kept talking about the robust economy and how strong it was. Well, we're seeing now what happens when you take the printed money away. And so was that really a recovery or was that just the effects of the credit expansion? I mean, now we have oil is going lower, even though it's in backwardation. Warren Buffett was out this morning uh, talking about, or I guess over the weekend, inventories are building up. He's concerned about what he's seeing out there. And uh, I mean, you just see the signs of things building, which... I think people are starting to recognize more and more and it's it's starting to get out there i guess you're seeing it to some degree in the stock market but we shall see how that progresses forward um although on contrary to that one of the places where they continue to turn more to gold we had some news out in the last two days uh i don't know if you saw monday's report with vince lancy or caught the news but china basically allowing their citizens to link savings account to a gold buying account, really making it a lot easier for people to be invested in gold there. And I was curious if you caught that and had any thoughts on that. I mean, and they're continuing to buy it hand over fist. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Alistair McLeod, I haven't seen that exact article. I did see that they added for like the sixth month in a row and they're continuing to add to, uh, to their stockpile. I did see that. And um, you know, Alistair McLeod for a while has surmised that China has 38,000 tons of gold, 18 by the people and 20 by the state. This is a country that produces and accumulates more than anyone and is very, um, very private about the way that they, they um, release their figures. I, I think it's, it's very interesting. I think it is, um, 
I think it is a country that realizes that the way that you become wealthy, the way that you uh, have independence is in holding gold. There's an old saying, he who has the gold makes the rules. So yeah, I think, I think it's, it's very enlightening. And when, you know, Russia removes the VAT tax, allowing their citizens to buy gold 20% cheaper than they ever could. China linking it and promoting it and prodding their citizens to accumulate it. The rest of the world understands the significance of gold because the rest of the world understands valuations where people in this country only understand dollars, but everyone else has to convert to dollars first in order to buy certain things. And they understand what it means. They understand more than we do the exorbitant privilege that you would think we would be doing everything we could to protect uh, of being the world reserve currency. And so, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, and it's equally as interesting that you're seeing a lot of the states in the United States do the same thing, not so much link it to a savings account, but in essence, alerting their citizens to the importance of owning gold, their constituents, all these red states that are allowing gold and silver to be legal tender. I think we are seeing, you know, as they say, you know, history doesn't always repeat, but it rhymes. Gold and silver have been money for 5,000 years. We've gone through a long period of time where it hasn't been money, but it seems uh, that that trend is starting to come full circle again, whether it be in Texas or in Beijing. I mean, the, 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 um, Gold is timeless and, and silver is timeless and it is wealth. And it does not surprise me one bit, nor does it surprise me that the country itself of China is continuing to voraciously accumulate uh, all the gold and silver that, that they can accumulate. Yeah, and I'm curious with the current price level, we see gold still over $2,000, silver still under 30. You've mentioned before how there's been a big uh, shift towards silver versus gold from a lot of your customers. Has that changed at all? Where gold certainly getting a lot more attention in the recent weeks and months. Have, have you seen any alteration to the that balance? Yes, I have. More so than I have in three years. Gold has gotten a lot more attention. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, look, you know, whether it be the fact that that you know, the BIS looks at gold differently. Maybe it's the fact that the central banks are buying more in the last 18 months than at any time in history. Uh, maybe it's because the banking system freaked people out so much that these very large orders are much easier to place in gold than in silver in terms of logistics, where you, know, you could have $100,000 worth of gold uh, in, in, in your two front pockets and sprint to the car. Yeah, you're your pants may be hanging down a little bit, you know, past your waist, but the point of it is, is that <clears throat> you're talking 50 ounces or less, 48 ounces of gold that would weigh three pounds versus 240 pounds in silver. Well, what if it's a million dollars? Now you got a ton of, uh, of weight in, in, you know, in silver versus, uh, you know, a manageable 500 ounces of gold, which you could put in a briefcase and still sprint to your car. But um, you'd have to have a few wheelbarrows and seven or eight trips if it were silver, and then you'd be riding on the rim. So, yes, I think their gold has kind of reawoken, if you will, on the on the um, retail side. Uh, it doesn't deduct from the fact that silver is still the best investment on the planet, in my opinion. 
Um, and, you know, there are very few things that you can find that tick all the boxes. Depletion in, in, in geologic terms, in terms of its mining ratio, increase in demand in terms of its industrial uh, applications, a huge swath of demand globally in monetary applications, and, and you know, the demand and price half of its all-time high. So yeah, silver is, in my opinion, still the best place to be. And most people understand that. Very few people are only buying gold. Um, they'll buy both. I would still say silver is outpacing gold sales two to one or better, maybe three to one. But, you know, gold has experienced a kind of a... a, a um, a rebirth in terms of its demand, because frankly, really since the pandemic, it would have been seven, eight, nine to one silver to gold. No one was buying gold. And now all of a sudden gold is, uh, is, is being recognized again for its, its preservational purposes. Well, it makes sense, especially with a lot of the attention and, and certainly crossing that $2,000 level. And I continue to wonder what we'll see happen when silver gets over 30 bucks, if we get, some similar uh, uh, demand going into the silver side. I mean, I guess you're saying it already has been the case a lot, but perhaps a bit of a spark there. And we shall see yeah. in due time. Uh, although, Andy, uh, before we wrap up, any changes in premiums and product availability on the silver or gold side of note that people should be aware of this week? No, right now we're going to keep everything pretty much status quo. I mean... Look, until something happens that wakes up the public, look, here's the bottom line. <clears throat> the, the smart money is front running. Look, the last two months, Chris, you, you have uh, 230 million ounces in exchange for physical that was sent from, from the COMEX to the, to the uh, LBMA in what should normally be a very big delivery month here. They made it hush-hush. Yeah, 230 million ounces were delivered off the LBMA in exchange for physical. Big money is continuing to front run this. And there will come a time, you know, where people wake up to some really crazy thing. Um, and everyone in the mainstream is going to run to gold and silver. And, and that's how fast everything that is status quo becomes changed in, in the blink of an eye. Right now, it's... I guess you could call it a kind of the quiet before the storm. We had quiet from uh, the beginning, really from the end of Thanksgiving to first month of the, of the new year. Uh, and it was quiet. And then we had the banks fail and it got insane. Now it's quieted down a little bit. It's still busy. People are still trying to those that are really still trying to get out of the banking system are, are awakened to this, but there's going to come a time when everything just goes parabolic. People need to understand it's very important to develop your core position before you start to time the market. Right now, premiums are good. I mean, relatively good. They're up higher from where they were a few months ago, but they haven't gone nuts like I would have expected. Availability is decent um, on most things and in stock. So it's kind of a weird, weird time. Normally summer or leading into summer is we call it the summer doldrums. You got Europe going on vacation. You got people, you know, getting out and enjoying things. And especially after a couple of years of the pandemic, you know, typically you would expect summer to be very quiet in this industry. And I, I think it will be anything but that. But for those looking 
to, uh, to add to their gold and silver portfolio, to, to do what the rest of the world seems to be quietly doing and successfully doing and de-dollarizing, uh, it's a good time to do it. We still have the kangaroos on special at 485 over spot and uh, they are in stock and ready for immediate delivery. Um, so we'll keep, uh, we'll keep doing the best we can to provide product and uh, our website is done. Um, it is, is being soft launched in my office today. I hope to launch it to the public at the end of the week or Monday. It's done and uh, it looks great. Um, I'll just leave it at that where the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, <clears throat> but as far as premiums and price, yeah, nothing really to report substantive from last week. It's decent, availability is decent. And uh, Kangaroos 2023s, in stock, 485 over. There are other things that are less money, but for a sovereign issue coin, realizing that a lot of these states, the verbiage that they are using for being legal tender in the state for all debts, public and private, most of the states, the law reads any sovereign minted coin, so past or present. So getting some of these coins instead of rounds or bars, not a bad idea if you believe that, especially if you're in some of these states, that uh, that the trend continues here to move to uh, allowing people just like they're doing in China to accumulate gold and silver at for for legitimate purposes. Well, appreciate that. Appreciate everything you shared today, and good to get an update of what is happening out there, and not just on the product level, but also with some of the macroeconomic factors at play. So. People do have questions. They can find out more at Arcadia at milesfranklin.com. And Andy, thanks for joining me again today. And we'll look forward to checking back in with you again next Tuesday. Pleasure is mine, my friend. You stay well. Look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Well, thank you, Andy, as always, for this week's update. Great to see how things are coming along in the physical level of the silver market. Hope you found that helpful at home. And before we wrap up tonight, would like to thank BlackRock Silver, who brought us tonight's episode. BlackRock did recently announce that they had some results from their joint venture with Tierlac Resources, who has been doing the drilling for the lithium mineralization that BlackRock discovered on its project recently. And the first round of results came back with all drill holes intersecting grades in excess of 1,000 parts per million of lithium. All the drill holes intersected broad zones of lithium mineralization in excess of 400 parts per million, each having intervals greater than 1,000 parts per million, including the highest grade one, which came in at 1,460. The longest lithium intercept for the five holes is 146.6 feet, 44.7 meters. The highest grade for an included intercept is 1,196 parts per million over 10.2 meters, including 1,460 over 2.7 meters. They have assays for six remaining drill holes pending, and they are expecting a maiden resource estimate later on in 2023. So congratulations to BlackRock on that news. And fortunately, I was able to catch up with Andrew Pollard, the CEO of BlackRock, who talked a little bit more about the details of that project. And to find out more about that, that video is coming your way now.